Hi, I'm Trevor. And I'm Laura. We're married, and we like to do a lot of different things together. But what got us together initially was that we love to eat and we like to drink. And we love to learn how our favorite foods and beverages came to be. In each episode of this podcast, we'll talk about something delicious and answer the question, Where did this come from? Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Where Did This Come From? The podcast where we talk about all things delicious and their origin stories. I'm Trevor. And I'm Laura. And this week we are diving right into it because we have a lot to talk about. And it's a very special episode of Where Did This Come From? Because we have another guest host with us today. Please welcome Bradley Shannon. Thunderous applause. Thunderous applause. Mm. Hey, Brad. Welcome to the show. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Yes, Um, yes. So Brad is currently the executive chef at Boston College, um, but he is also an expert in tea. Yes. So he is going to be sharing a wealth of knowledge with us today, um, all about tea. Absolutely. And then uh, I guess a little background into how we know Brad. Um, So uh, this actually goes back to the restaurant lineage again. There's been a lot of interesting lineage lineage ties on this podcast. (laughs) The lineage Um, of our podcast. Yes, which was, of course, a fantastic restaurant uh, in Coolidge Corner in Brookline for many, many years. And when I started there, actually, Brad was uh, the AGM. So technically, I think you were my boss. Yeah, that's that's right. I was your boss. I don't think it's actually like technical. The, you were you were actually my boss. Yeah, no, my yeah. Boss. I like to think I I'm still your boss, like your life <laughs> boss. I don't know. Yeah, it's good to think that. Um, whatever gets you to sleep at night. I mean, yeah. it does. It it helps me every time. But uh, yeah, I was the uh, was the AGM at Lineage, and uh, I remember when you joined us. And what made this really fun with the beverages was that uh, you and Amy were both uh, uh, sommeliers. And uh, you and uh, Dr. Frank have been working on the Cicerone certification and, and Rob kind of had a uh, interest in rum. So we kind of had most of the beverages covered. Totally um, covered. <laughs> yeah. And, but, it's you, true. but no one, no one had tea. No one so you, had tea. you called dibs. You're like, I, I called got, dibs. I got, t- I got tea. Yeah. So I, I ended up getting certified as a tea sommelier through the International Tea Masters Association. I didn't even know that was a thing. I would, a thing. What is that process? I only like? knew it was a thing because of bread, to be honest right. with you. It was a um, it was like a fifteen week class basically where we tried different teas. We we met in person, uh, then we were assigned homework, and basically each week we would then, you know, go through and talk about it. We learned different service styles, we learned origins, we learned different you know styles of tea, um, and really just went through the whole whole gambit of it. It, it it's it's like wine. Tea's like wine. It gets super complex, and yeah. really it depends like how far the rab- down the rabbit hole you want to go, and. Uh, I went pretty far. So when I was uh, <laughs> when I was doing the certification, I like was kind of a show off, and and I recognize that now. But like I had just I'm been only laughing because I I, re- I remember how yeah you were dead. you were definitely a t show off back then, but for good reason though. I just thought it was super interesting because it was so different, you know, and it's like something that people kind of like. Yeah, I mean it is right, but it's it also something that most... there's so much out there that most people don't know anything about. It is the second most drank beverage in the world. Yeah, I did not know that. I would have thought. Oh, I don't see, know. I would have thought coffee would be. Like, that's what we said in our coffee episode. That's what we. That's what we read. So. Oh, we have competing Ooh, information. TV, TV, coffee. Yeah. So listen, when when oh. you had that on the coffee episode, 
I was in my car and I was pounding on the I was pounding on the uh the steering wheel. I was like, it's tea, it's tea. I I'm feel only like we're gonna have to go back and look this up. I'm only as good as my sources. To resolve so. this. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry, I had to do it. It's 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 really been bothering me for hey, a couple of weeks. Quite all right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Well, we're here you to know, be corrected as much as we need to be. Yes, exactly. We we can be humble enough to know that we do not have all of the information and we researched the topic like a couple of days before we record it. So <laughs> we're not all knowing. So are you a coffee drinker at all? Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I actually drink way more coffee now than I do tea. I barely drink tea anymore, uh, mostly because I really believe in tea has to be made when you're in or like a really good mindset and can like mm. put your whole person into it. So mm. I often find like I'm just rushing around. So it's like, coffee's just like hit the button have it drip and you're right. good to go right um so you you mentioned like there's a difference between the coffee caffeine the co- caffeine you get from coffee and the caffeine you get from tea yeah so coffee caffeine is, is super interesting compared to tea caffeine so in tea uh the way that it releases uh when you steep your tea into into your hot water is that there's polyphenols and the polyphenols are basically like flavonoids and other things that okay. you know give tea its flavor um, and they bind with the caffeine. So what ends up happening is you have to digest tea caffeine where coffee caffeine, um, I guess you call it a free radical. It's just floating in there. So if you have mm. coffee and just put it in your mouth, you absorb it in your bloodstream, mm. in, your, in your capillaries, in your mouth. So like if you put coffee in your mouth, like you could just hold it there and you'll start to like feel a little energized. Hmm. But but tea will give you this like focused energy. So coffee will get you this, you know, jittery, jumpy caffeine jolt. Oh, yeah. Um, but if you want to go for the long haul, like all those college kids listening right now who, who want to study, <laughs> yeah. you know, for these finals coming up. <laughs> Go for the tea. Don't go for the coffee. Do the coffee first. Hit a little tea right after. It's going to be like slow release. You know, you'll get that like caffeine buzz maybe an hour or two later, and then you'll be kicking all night. So Brad, you're throwing out some words that I I recognize from working with wine for years, like polyphenol, flavonoids. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about tannins at some point too, but what should the word polyphenol mean to the people who maybe not have ever heard the word before? Yeah, it's like um, polyphenol is basically like micronutrients or, you know, people will talk about that with anti- uh, antioxidants. Mm-hmm. So thinking like blueberries and, and other foods, they're like, oh, they're high in antioxidants. Tea is ho- also high in antioxidants. So it's high um, in those polyphenols and, and flavonoids really just a fancy word for fl- saying flavor combinations. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I, I'm i really not a huge tea drinker. Um, Which is funny because your mom is. My mom loves tea. Like Specifically she, Irish breakfast tea. No, Ooh. berries Irish tea. Isn't it Irish breakfast it's tea? It's not Irish breakfast tea. It's, it's black tea. It's from Ireland. Okay, I thought it was the it's same not, thing. It's not breakfast tea. But someone, I, someone I work with drinks that too. Really? Yeah, that's like his go-to every morning. Yes. He's got his little pot and he just heats it up and lets it go so my mom actually brings her yeah, own tea have, bags to places we have a stock, because we have a stock she doesn't like like other black teas sometimes that's awesome what what like if you are going to drink tea what's your guys's favorite tea um so usually i'm drinking tea later in the day because i'll have coffee in the morning and then i can't have coffee past like 11 a.m um so i usually am going for like an herbal tea I, if I'm drink if I'm drinking tea, cause I like black coffee, I'll generally go for 
um, like an oversteeped, which I know is gonna kill you, Brad, but like an oversteeped <laughs> English I breakfast the or an oversteeped Earl Grey. Like I want something that's gonna bite me back a little bit. Yeah, um, you can oversteep. I mean, that's that's personal preference, right? Like, okay. so you know, if you over okay. oversteep something, that's just because you like that flavor. So mm. that 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 does not offend me at all. Oh, okay, perfect. Uh, that's surprising. What Laura said was interesting. She said herbal tea. So you know, that's actually something that is kind of a definition for tea that doesn't really exist because people will say like, Oh, I'll have some chamomile tea or I'll have some mint tea. Mm. And those aren't really tea. Um, Interesting. Because they don't have tea leaves. Yeah. So tea has to come from a a specific plant, Camellia sinensis. And that's what makes tea. So mint tea is, doesn't have that. So it's, it's called a tisan. Oh, God, but that's like too many letters to fit on a tea bag tag, apparently. Right. So, so if it's right. just it's like herbs French. or you know whatever, like chamomile, sometimes it looks like it has like little flowers in it and stuff. So that is called a tisane. Yes. Oh. So it, I wonder what point. So it sounds like the word tea. Obviously, it means the tea plant. Right. But at yeah. the same time, like people are using it interchangeably for literally just steeping plant matter in water. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. Like, people will just call anything that's steeped a steeped beverage. That, mm. That's tea. Like, huh. uh, okay. you know, you could steep anything, and then people will just start calling it tea. Oh. Gotcha. Next time I go to a cafe or something, I'll be like, I'll have the mint tisson. And they'll be like, Do you it. are a pretentious Do it. loser. <laughs> there, was, uh, there was one time where at Lineage, someone actually asked me if we had a Tassan list. Oh, did you send Brad over? I immediately sent Brad <laughs> to the table. I was like, you're going to want to meet Bradley Shannon. <laughs> we'll talk all about Tassan. Um, I was recommended to a few different people with that. I remember once uh, I, I got on the menu. My name was on the menu as, as Lineage's tea sommelier. And someone was like, send your tea sommelier over. And I like went over and they were like, I don't even like tea. I just wanted to see if you existed. <laughs> <laughs> so you were mentioning the the tea plant itself. So is it just like tea is just tea? Like, because I, I, obviously there's a wide variety of herbal tisan out there. You've got, you know, mint, chamomile, um, rooibos, I think is, is a, is a tisan. Is, is it just like one tea plant or is there like, are there different types of tea plants? Yeah, so it, it starts to break down. It gets really complicated. So Camellia sinensis, which is the tea plant, and then that breaks down into different varieties. So you have variety sinensis, variety asamica, and, and some others. Uh, and then those break down into varietals as well. Wow. Yeah, so it's kind of like wine. Yeah. Really and cool. and so as you go down, like I have Camellia, uh, Camellia sinensis, sinensis, so I have, and sinensis means from China, just oh, okay. that out there. Um, and then you can go further down, um, into each category as you go along and they grow in different regions and they grow differently. Uh, Sinensis, uh, Sinensis prefers, uh, cold, uh, elevated climates, uh, whereas Samica prefers jungle climates, uh, you know, think wow. tip of, tip of India, uh, lower elevations wow. on that. So overall the plants just really an evergreen shrub. Um, and then it's just got a bunch of varietals there under like Tiguanyin. Uh, is a type of uh, of tea, which is also known as Iron Goddess of Mercy, um, but that's a varietal. What yeah, makes this even more crazy is it then depends on what you do with that. Oh, like how it's harvested and dried, I assume? Is that what yes. you mean? Uh-huh. Yeah, so like, so Trevor, uh, like you could do this, but I don't think you ever would, right? Like you could harvest 
Cabernet Sauvignon and mm-hmm. make a white wine, right? Like, oh yeah, it could be done, but you're you're probably not going to do it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, okay. And that kind of is the same thing with with tea, where it's like you're going to take the variety or the varietal that does the best for that style. So you're going to take you know the tea guan yin, you're going to make oolong from it. You could make green tea, but it's just not going to be as good. Mm. Gotcha. Oh, that's really interesting. That's so cool. So all the like, because you mentioned like green tea, it, it green tea, black tea, it, that's all just based on how you're processing the plant once you're done harvesting. Yeah. So that's what actually makes tea, uh, what made it really difficult to understand for the Europeans when they finally uh, had gotten tea from uh, China in the 1500s when Portugal was there. Um, what happened was, is they basically, at least the English, thought that it was different plants. Hmm. Oh. And, like, we still think that. I honestly yeah, thought I green tea was, yeah. a, was a separate plant than Yeah, I would have thought tea. the same thing. So if anyone, the only thing to walk away from today is, is tea is from one plant. And then it's just what you do with it. Yeah. That's the, base, that's wow. the basic. That's so cool. So I got like two little nuggets of knowledge that and the Tyson. <laughs> and we're like, not. I really had no idea. And we're not done yet. And we're not done yet. So yeah. So let's maybe we'll we'll get back into talking about the different types of tea. But so the origins of tea. I can imagine like many of our, our other topics. This is like lengthy and probably not a hundred percent clear and documented. On, like, sort where of. It truly it's, came from. Yeah, it's it's like half lore, half actual, okay. um, actually documented. So the lore side of the story um, is that the Buddha was trying to meditate and he kept falling asleep. So okay. after seven days of falling in and out of sleep in meditation, uh, he was so angry that he ripped off his eyelids wow. and threw them in the ground. Wow. Oh, that's... Yeah, it's big. The Buddha, the Buddha has lost a lot of limbs and other things. If you if you look at some of the origins of stories with the Buddha, it's really interesting wow. stuff. Um, and he threw his lids into the ground, and from that sprouted the tea the tea tree, oh. the tea plant. And, uh, and that would have helped a, like keep him awake, awake for his meditation next right, time, exactly for exactly. future Buddhas. Ah. And one of the rare topics that doesn't stem from Egypt <laughs> that we've talked about <laughs> so true. far. Which is a breath of fresh air. It's very welcoming. I was going to mention Egypt and George Washington. Yes. We'll get into George Washington later, don't worry. (laughs) And the real first mention of tea was in 100 AD uh, during the Han Emperor, or the Han Dynasty, uh, in the Chinese dictionary, Xiu Wen. And basically, that was when tea was first really mentioned in writing. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it was drank before kind of in this loose unknown kind of way um shen nung he was the second divine emperor um and he basically had said you know you should drink hot water so another kind of origin story of tea and kind of probably how it actually existed uh was that shen nung was walking around with his hot cup of of water as he did took a nap and some tea leaves fell into his cup Hmm. when he woke from his nap he drank the beverage and thought it was delicious so, yeah. you know, they went from there and, and started drinking it. But that's really where it probably started. But it really wasn't mentioned until 100 AD um, in the first literature mention. Gotcha, okay. gotcha. Well, as as tea goes along, each dynasty kind of gives its own little spin to tea. So, you know, as you went through, you know, the Shang dynasty, that was really your crude teas and it was not really documented up. And that was, you know, 1766 B.C., 
um, you know, working up until, you know, after the Han dynasty to the, the Jin dynasty, where you start to get like handleless T bowls, uh, the Tang dynasty in six, uh, 618. And that's when like social tea drinking was expanded and, mm. and more sophisticated. And they started making stirred tea powders. Like instead so, of a tea bag, or I guess they probably also didn't have like, a tea bag. Instead of like <laughs> loose leaf, right? But... Instead of loose leaf, yeah. Is that... Well, that's where I like to catch you both. So loose leaf wasn't even invented really until uh, much later. So originally it was all compressed cake tea. Cake tea. Oh, 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 I remember. I think you brought something like this into Lineage once. Mm-hmm. Like a, like a, like a compact cake that you put in hot water and then it kind of like dissolves that's what i'm imagining is that right it's close but what you would do is you would chip off the tea from that cake so think like a brick that you would have to shave oh yeah. interesting. looks like a hockey puck if i remember right yes it can and that's that's a type of tea called pu'er so sometimes with tea people think uh they think it's uh fermented and tea is oxidized so there's a difference between oxidized and fermented mm-hmm. but pu'er is fermented oh okay, okay. So originally they would take these teas, they would compress them, ferment them, and it would turn into these cakes and they would trade them that way. So, you know, you would have your poundage uh, uh, and you would trade and then you would shave off your tea from these cakes or these bricks. And basically at that time, uh, when we get to the, the Tang Dynasty, they started taking those bricks and powderizing them. And then they would stir them into their hot water. So was that just because it was easier to prepare because you didn't have to like shave some tea stuff off of this brick? They were like, oh, we'll powderize it so you can just take a scoop. Pretty much. I mean, you know, as it as it evolves. Don't really know, but (laughs) no, no. I mean, that's that's really it. Right. You're thinking of ease of use. And that's that's why it was compressed. That's why you Mm. could take it with you as this smaller package and, Mm. and break it off into pieces. And what makes this interesting is, is at that same time is when the Japanese had sent uh, monks over to learn about Chinese culture. Okay. okay. So if you start to th- see where this is going, powder, water, yeah. stir, and I then d- we get to the Song Dynasty, and they start to use whisks, powder, water, Japanese, matcha, matcha, bingo. Uh, I did not pick up on where you were going with that, but... Thank Macha. you for spelling it out. Trevor well, was spot on. So, he was, he uh, was there. And I, yeah, I was like, I, I'll, I'll, I'll hit pause on this for a second because I remember, and the reason I knew that was because Brad would do matcha. Um, I don't, is ceremony the right term to use? It Process. It, it would be, but we weren't doing, yeah. a, we weren't doing a true yeah. matcha ceremony. But so. like if, if Brad was running the floor at Lineage on like a Friday or Saturday night during pre-meal, he would do matcha service mm. which i must say we probably would not be able to ever do again because essentially so the whisk is like this little um, i don't know if it's bamboo but very fine wooden whisk brad would mix the matcha powder into the water at exactly the right temperature Mm-mm. and then the entire serving staff would pass the bowl around and each of us would drink drink from oh it yeah that's not covid friendly <laughs> no it was very like communion. You it know, was. Like everyone drank out of the same bowl. I mean, it was de- it was great. It was delicious, yeah. and we all got jazzed up for for Dollar Oyster Hour. But so in comes matcha into the world. So of in tea. comes matcha. Sorry. Let's yeah. So we got we've got matcha now. So things kind of continued, and and this is where my brain gets a little muddied, um, and a lot of this uh, starts to change where the European settlers in the 1500s, Portuguese. Uh, 
touch, uh, make contact with China, start trading, and they bring tea back to Portugal. Okay. But it really isn't until the Dutch make tea popular, and that's in about 1610, and they bring it to Amsterdam, and everyone's going wild. Mm. But at the time, 1644 was the end of the Ming Dynasty. And from what I remember, and I could not confirm this by other sources, but at a point of contact, when the Europeans uh, reached China and saw how the tea was being drank, there was Mongol rulers or Mongol descendants, and they would put yak's milk or mare's milk hmm. uh, in their tea. Interesting. And that was the first, that was like the first known instance of dairy, of dairy in and tea. tea. Right, because Mongolia is, you know, so much more northern than China, um, mm-hmm. and it's just, you know, brutal, brutal living there. So, really, your food sources, you need those heavy fats. Mm-hmm. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. What's interesting about the milk in your tea is that with porcelain, if it was too hot of water going into the porcelain cup, it would crack. So, the oh. idea was that the milk would cool down the water as well going in. So, that was a very European oh, you know, during that 1600s, 1700s, wanting everything Chinese, you know, uh, porcelain and and all the the right. hype that there was for for the far east if you will and you know i think some of that plays in into that role as well putting the milk in to cool it off but mm-hmm. um you know overall really do think it's based on the the mongols yeah hmm. that's really cool that's yeah it is so tea is kind of becoming more widespread do you want to talk about how tea gets to america is that yeah so, of course, they're British, right? So the British right. start to, right, to get right. into tea. Uh, you know, 1669 is, is when, you know, the first London tea auction happens and, and tea mania is going crazy through uh, through Europe. So obviously, you know, English people come over to America and they're drinking tea because, you know, that's great. <laughs> um, but our good friend, the French and Indian War, uh, I also believe it's named the Thirty Years' War. Is that the same? I think think so or seven seven years war seven years seven. war yeah, <laughs> yeah seven years say, war yeah 30 years war long. is a very different yeah that's a <laughs> very different war um but yeah french so french and indian war to you know americans but the seven year war to uh the french and the english and really what that was was a kind of a global conflict really like world war one and what happened is after of course you know we're uh british colonists and you know we need uh England to protect us after the war, what's the best way to get money? Taxes. Boom. And there we go. And the rest is independence. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's what fuels it, right? You've got the Townshend Acts. So the Townshend Acts okay. was a series of acts by Parliament that started to tax, you know, paper, paint, lead, glass, and tea. Mm. Wait, and can, then can I, I have a question? Mm-hmm. So was tea, as it's kind of spreading around the world, was it a drink for everyone or was it for the elite? Because I assume by the time it made its way to the Americas, everyone was drinking it. It's it's for everyone, but it definitely does have its price. And right. because of the taxes, it made it less accessible for everybody, mm-hmm. thus okay. making it more of a, a revolting item because – now everyone who has had it can't right. have it unless you're extremely wealthy. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So so these townshend acts come in and that starts kind of the 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 taxes going and everyone's the upset unrest, about that. Yeah. And then Parliament passes the Tea Act in 1773. And mm-hmm. that's what really set it 
set it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so 1773 is the same year as the Boston Tea Party. So December 16th, 1773. Uh, this year will be the 247th anniversary. Wow. Uh, In just uh, a, two days from the yeah, area of this show, too. Almost like they planned it. And if we were in non-COVID times, you could actually watch. They have a reenactment uh, from the Old South Church, and you walk down to Griffin's Wharf, and everyone's all dressed up. Um, I taught a class once, a tea class, on that day uh, and oh, had cool. to miss it. And I was, like, all jazzed up in my, uh, in my Minuteman outfit. Oh, so yes. you actively participate in this, typically. No, I, I've never been. Oh, okay, really, you've never I been. I really wanted to go. Oh. Wait, so we'll have to go back to your, your Minuteman outfit. Like, how does that play? We'll include it. I, at this point, I guarantee you we've included it in the promo uh, Instagram posts about this episode. So it's <laughs> it's it's out for the world to see in other places too. But um, yeah, go into the, uh, yeah, go into the costume a little bit because it is, honestly, it's a sight to behold. It's like really good. Yeah, so my mother made it. Um, my mother is a hobby seamstress. And wow, that's so cool. I think I had this grand idea of running from Harvard to like where the Pops plays on 4th of July, just like flying a Betsy Ross and like maybe marching with someone who's playing the piccolo and just doing the whole thing. <laughs> and then it just kind of went from there and she made this this outfit. And so did you do that? No, I've never done that either. Never, I have a lot of ideas. I just never do. <laughs> you you just have it. this have this outfit in your closet waiting to be shown off. Oh no, no, I I've worn it, but just not for those specific mm. things. Um, you wore it for a service at Lineage once and waved the American flag outside the front of the restaurant. I did. It was uh, I think it was July third. We were open. We were going to be closed for the fourth. Yeah. So I wore it and bartended <laughs> that night. So here's the the George Washington plug on that. There mm. is uh, a beverage called Philadelphia Fish House Punch, and mm. it involves tea and rum, I believe. Mm. Uh, and I think it might be in Bumpo, which was the stuff that Washington gave to get all those votes. But uh, yes. I'm not sure wow. if it has tea in it or not. So going back to uh, all those different styles of tea. So we've got the Tea Party happening they've got this tea coming into the harbor uh basically what they said was at the time the way that the the act worked if if the ship landed on you didn't have to pay the taxes on the goods until it was actually unloaded from the ship and it had to be unloaded after a certain amount of time Mm. so if the goods were not received they were forced by the harbor master and so on december 16th was going to be the last day that those items could stay on the boat before they were forced onto the colonies Mm. and then they would thus have to be forced to pay the tax. Yep. So they basically went onto the boats, uh, the Beaver, the Eleanor and the Dartmouth. And they threw off about what we would consider now about a million dollars worth of tea into the Harbor. Wow. That is a hell of a lot of tea. Yeah. So the, with the throwing of the tea, you know, there was a few different varieties on there. Uh, Bohe, uh, which is one style, uh, Singlo Green and Suchong, which you may know from the, the name Lapchong Suchong. Uh, usually that's like a smoked tea, usually a smoked mm-hmm. black tea. Uh, Bohe would be like a like an oolong tea and then, and then the green tea, of course. So I guess, you know, I keep saying oolong, black tea, white tea, green tea, you know, what are they? So you've got this, this plant that we talked about earlier. And mm-hmm. then from that, you can make your different teas. So the idea of 
the T's is really there's five T's. Um, you can consider a sixth T um, called yellow T, but I'll get into that in a minute. And basically you have white, green, oolong, black, and pu'er. Mm. So your white tea for the basic version is that it's the new growth, it's the bud and the two leaves, and those are dried in a shaded area, usually naturally dried. Green tea, uh, there's a process in tea making called kill green, and the idea of green tea is you pick these leaves and you heat the leaf up to kill the oxid oxidation process. An oolong is a tea that's slightly oxidized to almost fully oxidized, usually about 16 to 82% oxidation. And then it's either ball rolled style or strip style. So the ball rolled style and the strip style both came from the Fujian province of China. Um, and you've got like a lot of like floral flavors. Okay. And then your strip style, which I prefer, tends to have either like some darker flavors, or sometimes you get like mango and other like fruity notes, which are pretty cool. And then in the Pu'er style, you have Shang and Shou. And what's really interesting about that was Shang Pu'er is really like your fermented tea, your original one. And then in 1973, Pu'er was super popular. Hmm. Random. So they had to create this like accelerated, uh, accelerated fermentation process. And that's where Shou came out. Okay. So how did it become so popular? Yeah. Is there a reason for that? It just became popular. It's just one of those things, you know, like uh, it became trendy. Cider- yeah, Probably ciders some, like, in 2015. <laughs> like did it, yeah. So the majority, so Pu'er is the one style that's fermented. Everything else is oxidized, and Pu'er is fermented. So like, I, I obviously like fermentation is a part of stuff I've studied with beer, spirits, no. beer, yeah. wine, all that. It's not spirits, but beer, wine. Um, so like, what? So a fermented tea, like, what does that smell like? It actually smells kind of poopy. Oh. Wait, how do you spell (laughs) pu'er? No, seriously. So uh, when I used to do uh, a kind of a tea ceremony at Christmas with my family, uh, once I really got into this, um, my my brother Adam, you know, I I did pu'er one time and – I talked about it and, and why Pu'er is really great is, is because it's fermented. It's really good for digestion. Mm. So uh. I was like, we've eaten a lot. You should have this, you know, you'll digest. <laughs> it will help you poo air. <laughs> right. And of course that was the joke. Right. So my brother's right. like, Oh, so I'll poo air. And I'm like, sure. will." <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but it has this kind of like, because it is naturally fermented, it does have that like moldy smelly, you know, lack of a better term, but I was joking about the wine thing, the horse blanket, you know, Mm. poopy kind of flavor. Yeah, it smells like a barn. Yeah, it's delicious. It's really good, but, you know, the pu'er, poo. Yeah. It's too easy. Not just a fancy name. I'll definitely remember that. So how does that differ from, like, kombucha? Yeah, so kombucha is tea that's steeped. And then once it's steeped, you add a SCOBY to it. Mm. And a SCOBY, a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. Mm -hmm. And it eats sugars that are in there. So it ferments the sugar. So it's a little bit different because the tea's not fermented. The SCOBY's fermenting the sugar in there, creating a new fermented beverage. Wow. You mentioned mentioned something else, too. You mentioned a yellow tea briefly. What's, What's the deal with that? 
Oh, so the yellow tea uh, is is kind of neat. It's it's like green tea, um, but after the green tea process, um, they basically smother it with a cloth, so it kind of absorbs its nutrients back in, and it it stays in like the realm of green tea because the the kill green process has happened, except that it absorbs some of its nutrients and and flavors back in. So it you after you dry it, it kind of gets wet again and then dries again. So it it's this kind of like sixth alternative tea. Hmm. um it you know it, it exists but it doesn't really um it's just more rare you know you really probably won't see that around but if you find it you know grab it it's it's good stuff oh that's cool you know a lot of these green teas you know uh people think are super bitter and and the reason why they think they're bitter is that they often steep them at the wrong temperatures oh um, you know everyone says tea oh i'm gonna boil some water to make some tea really the only tea you should be boiling for or water you should be boiling for tea is for black tea and puer and even oolong tea really should only get to like 200 degrees. Mm, so okay. it shouldn't be a true rapid boil. And, and green tea mostly is, you know, 170 degrees. I wonder, because I'm not really a huge green tea fan, but maybe it's just because they haven't tried it at the right temperature. Well, that and it's it's probably that. And it's also uh, steeping time. As, as Trevor mm. said, he likes strong tea in the in the beginning. A lot of these teas, you know, from from the, the east in, in the sense, really, you only steep them for like 45 seconds. Oh wow! And you would do, yeah, you would do multiple steeping. So there's there's this whole ceremony called Gong Fu, um, and basically the idea is you do these quick, rapid successions of steeping, and the flavors change. So like steep one versus steep six, <laughs> and as you as you go through, it's a journey. Thus, that's why I said earlier why I don't drink it as much anymore because it's like you have to go through this whole process to, right. to really enjoy a, a full great cup of tea. I mean, not to say that you can't just have a, a good cup of tea anyways, but so is it like every steep huh. you drink and then re-steep a full new cup? So it's Basically, like a whole af- almost like a whole afternoon of just like appreciating this tea developing over the course of the day. Right. And, wow. and as you sit there with it, you know, you, you think 45 seconds tea steep and, and you're, you're making a less, less than like a full pot, you know what I mean? You're right, making a, right. a small amount, uh, yeah. you know, depending on where you are or what style you're doing. Right. And basically as you go I've ever through. I like a teapot full of tea. I'm usually like tea bag in one mug. Right. <laughs> That's how we do. <laughs> but, but each culture, what, what makes it insane is that each culture it has a different way of doing it. Like mm-hmm. uh, the Russians uh, use a somnivar and the idea is they just keep adding water to this tea that like constantly steeps and you just dilute, you dilute your oversteep mm-hmm. tea by adding water where, you know, the, the Chinese use a, a gaiwan, which is a, a type of cup with a lid. And, uh, you know, the Japanese will use a kyoso pot, which, you know, is a whole other world. Yeah. Um, so as you have these different cultures kind of coming together on the same beverage, it all is is very separate and different. Meanwhile, we use a a bag of swag in a in a in a ceramic cup. We just like put it in a little mesh, staple it, put a string on it, and put it in water that's way too hot. And then there's all right. this beautiful and, and ceremony a lot of those, around the world, other than here. A lot of those tea bags actually come from uh, what they call like dustings and fannings. So it's just like leftover tea from the good tea that's going oh, out before. So all these like whole leaf teas are on the table, you know, and they scoop it all, all yeah. up and then there's like these bits left over and they just put those into the tea bags. I don't want to like throw huge brands under the bus or anything like that. But as an example, cause everyone knows Lipton's obviously. And is Lipton's just like go around to these fine tea houses and buy their dust off the floor. Is that like what's no. going on? No, Lipton's story is actually awesome. So hmm. Lipton 
what Lipton tea does, because every harvest, like, you know, with wine or beer, whatever, I guess, I don't know, beer, but wine, every year is different. So mm-hmm. every harvest year is much like a vintage. So every right. vintage is different. Lipton's whole thing is to keep within like a degree of the last year's vintage. So if the vintage, let's just say, tastes like, I, I'm making up a number just to give an analogy, tastes like an 80, they can't be higher than an 82 or lower than a 78. I don't know what those numbers mean, but I'm making them up. Mm-hmm. Meaning they can only be within a degree of what the last year's tasted like. So, so they'll just start similar. blending. Right. They just make it taste the same, even though every year it's always different. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. So a lot of like tea companies must do something similar to that, right? Because again, I'm thinking of my mom's like berries, Irish tea. Like it, yes. it's, it's consistent. Yeah. So with like tea companies, it will be consistent across the board that way with tea bags because they, they have a product that they want to give, you know, Trevor and Laura are going to buy Lipton. They want it to taste like Lipton. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you start to get into loose leaf tea uh, and start to really like dive into single origin teas, uh, you really start to look for like nuanced flavors and, and, and differences. So, mm-hmm. you know, you could get a Darjeeling tea from, you know, Hilton Estate or Castleton and know that it's a, you know, 2016 uh, and, and go with that. And then of course, there's a whole labeling system thereafter. So you can get different styles with a different wow. labeling system. You know, it's interesting. Um, you know, each each vintage, if you will, each year, you know, it it changes. In, in Darjeeling, they pick three times a year, first flush, second flush, and, and third flush. But each year, obviously, it, it changes flavors. But you know what you should be looking for mm. in that type of tea. So like tea from Japan uh, because of the ocean airs and everything, like seaweed is a big oh, wow. flavor in that. And sometimes you get hay or grass, like a Japanese uh, sencha, like really has this like fresh cut grass, um, sometimes mm-hmm. almost back note of biscuity, and then like a little bit of seaweed going through. So, <laughs> you know, if you put a couple of green teas in front of me, I'd like to think I could, I could hit probably where they're from. So what is your favorite tea? So I really like Darjeeling's. They're these black teas, but they're almost like oolongs. They're not fully oxidized, but they're considered black tea. Mm. And they're just, they're really nice. Uh, the other thing I really like is Japanese green teas. You know, I, when I, w- I went to Japan in 2015 and I came back with like two and a half kilos of tea. <laughs> and it was... I forgot about that. Yeah. Did you get stopped it, by TSA? <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> it was definitely sketchy looking. Tea wrapped in like a, a white t-shirt that's wrapped in like like some saran wrap for some reason with like an X on the top with duct tape. It was, you know... <laughs> uh, but you made it home with it. I made it home with it. That's I made good. it home with it. This does make me want to branch out and try some interesting teas. Yeah. So good We're job, to, Brad. You talked up to yes, me pretty yes. hard. Uh, this is, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So Brad, other than obviously the depths of your, your uh, mind library, uh, where, where, where is this info coming from? Like there's, I can see a stack on your desk of just like tea publications. Yeah. There's also a stack in the, in the bookshelf behind me there oh that you can't see as well. The ones that didn't um, make it to the desk. Yeah. Not, not the good ones. So Jane Pettigrew's World of Tea, uh, Tea. Uh, History, Terroirs, uh, second edition. Uh, that's by uh, Gascone et al., if you will. Of course. Um, 
Heiss and Heiss have the story of tea. Uh, there's a book called The Tea Sommelier uh, from Fabio uh, Petroni. And actually one I, I really didn't get to mention, but I do want to mention uh, if anyone wants a really interesting story about how England stole tea from China uh, and how they figured out that it was the same plant as everyone had thought it was two different plants. They sent in Robert Fortune, uh, who was a botanist, to go into China, disguise himself as a Chinese man, uh, oh and go around stealing and, and learning how to make tea. Uh, it's called For All the Tea in China, and that's by Sarah Rose. Oh, wow. Um, but in that story, basically, that's how England figured out that they could uh, grow tea uh, outside of China, and they could actually start growing it in India, which kind of started the whole Indian plantations and, oh. and all of that going oh, forth. Oh, wow. Uh, we knew, I knew there would be a dark side of <laughs> the history of tea. As yeah, there the, is the whole for most opium topics. wars. Yeah. Oh, wow. my gosh. Well, that's fantastic. So, Brad, before we go, anything, anything you want to plug? Yeah. Um, well, the first thing I want to say is don't drink a lot of tea before you go into your bed at night. <laughs> Wait. Why? <laughs> well, because if you drink a lot of tea and go into your bed, you're going to wake up in your teepee. Oh. It's oh. <laughs> right up my alley right there. That's good stuff. Uh, use your repair. <laughs> if, uh, if Brad was holding his mic, he would have dropped it right after that. Yeah, and Brad's out. <laughs> and we've muted See. Brad's microphone. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I totally fell right into that one. <laughs> I did too, actually, to be honest with you. And I didn't hate it. Oh my gosh. Uh, Brad, thank you so much. This was absolutely phenomenal and so informative. Um, yes, I feel I enlightened in the world of tea. Thanks for having me on. That was awesome. Yeah, it was great to have you. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. All right, everyone. On that note, thank you so much again to Brad Shannon for coming on. Thank you for listening to another episode of Where Did This Come From? Uh, please give us a follow on Instagram at where did this come from underscore pod. Uh, and please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite. <laughs> You're mouthing the word. Am I really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize. <laughs> I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to say it for you. Um, oh shit! Okay. Please do rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite uh, podcast platform, and we'll see you next time on Where Did This Come From? I think that was it. I think that was it. <laughs> We're good. We got That's it. a wrap. <laughs>